Hello and welcome, friends, to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Nason. You know, John Barton once said that reading should be a repeat performance. We always encourage you to read here on Inside the Writer's Cafe, and this show features the hottest authors and introduces you to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest work. Today's show features a delightful and very thought-provoking children's book about a baby osprey with a handicap. It's a handicap that forces him to rethink how to survive in the world. What do a boxer shadowboxing on a street corner, a hole in the ground, a chess prodigy from Mars, a masked man with a bullwhip, and a broken heart all have in common? Well, you'll get all the answers. Just stay tuned to Inside the Writer's Cafe. Dr. Seuss once said, You're never too old, too wacky, too wild, to pick up a book and read to a child. Ed Polanski joins me today to talk about the children's book that he's written, Oscar the Osprey, The Bird Who Was Afraid of Heights. Ed is a certified public accountant, and he's written for various technical publications, but Oscar the Osprey is his first attempt at writing for children. He's had an avid interest in children's literature since he worked in the children's children's department of the Corpus Christi, Texas Public Library when he was in high school and he was in college. Welcome, Ed! Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your having me. Well, it's my pleasure, and I'm so interested to talk about Oscar today. I'm sure that our listeners are curious about where you got the idea to write Oscar the Osprey. You're not an ornithologist. <laughs> Certainly not. I'm not going to count it, and that's a long way from being an ornithologist. Actually, you you sort of started it when you said something about Dr. Seuss. When I was in uh, high school and college, as you mentioned, working for the public library in, in my hometown of Corpus Christi, I worked in the children's uh, department for a good while. And, uh, of course, I read those because while I was working in there, I, I uh, was always fascinated by books, and children's books at that time were were uh, really coming into a, a great deal of public uh, awareness, particularly Dr. Seuss. And I learned at that point in time that there was something really neat about the way he wrote and that he really appealed on three levels for children's books. And uh, the first being that a child who couldn't read would be fascinated by the story. Uh, then once the child was able to read, then uh, they they could enjoy the book on their own at a little higher level. And then it had to appeal to a parent because they were going to buy the book and they had to enjoy the story they were telling. So the best children's books that I saw at that time were really fascinating. And, of course, Dr. Seuss was the king, I thought, at that time for, for writing books in, in that fashion. That sort of got me interested in it. And I've always sort of in the back of my head thought that, you know, you've always heard that everybody thinks they can write a children's book. Yes. Well, I uh, I, I thought, well, someday maybe I'll get the inspiration. And that was sort of the beginning point. Uh, and then the idea for the book came on a, a trip that our family took where we went through uh, Yellowstone and uh, the Grand Tetons and ended up in Jackson Hole. And uh, well, and then it went on down into Colorado and went to Colorado Springs. And there's a, a park near there called the uh, Royal Gorge, which is a, a bridge over 
the Arkansas River, which is like a thousand feet below the bridge, and it's a sw- it's a suspension bridge. So you walk across it, and it's kind of creaky and shaky. And my son at that time happened to say, "Oh man, it would really suck if you were a bird and were afraid of heights," because he had a little bit of acrophobia, and so died a little bit, and so. It triggered it. My idea. I said, you know, that would be an interesting story to write. Uh, and then, then I started talking to the to uh, my my other son and my wife who were on the trip and talking about the idea. And then they came up with some really good suggestions for the storyline. We had been up to a place called Jenny Lake in uh, the Grand Tetons. This gorgeous lake around, and the mountains all around it. And we had seen an osprey fly over carrying a fish in its in its talons and and somebody suggested well why don't you use osprey as your as your storyline so it was a family affair and that's where the that's where the the story came from oh i love the idea that this is a collaboration with all the family members how do they feel about the way the book has come out well uh you know they were they were very supportive but they never thought i would finish anything uh and it went on this is back in the 90s so this 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 uh, story dragged on for a great deal of time, and I, although I wrote it really quick, relatively quickly, I, I got the idea. I went home and and drafted it. And probably another key to being able to draft it was that this was after Apple II had come out with its uh, Apple II Plus, and it had the word processing on there. And I can't really write uh, like the old writers who could get to a typewriter and type it up and then just make some changes and get a finished product. When I write, I have to throw everything down, and then I come back, and it seems like I'd edit for a hundred times longer than the original writing because you're, you're constantly changing and, and adjusting as you go. And this one evolved over a 10-year period, really, in terms of stories and the various characters that were, that were put in the book. You know, I think that doing the editing, especially in children's literature, is almost just critical because you want to boil the ideas down to their very simplest and down to almost the core and the skeleton so that the kid will get it. But at the same time, you want to do it in a creative way so that you're not, and I'm using air quotes here because you can't see my fingers, preaching (laughs) at a child. And I think that's what you've done. Let's do a little overview of what you've done with Oscar. Give our listeners just the overview of the story. Well, Oscar is a bird that is born in um, in Jenny Lake uh, with his parents. He had two siblings. And uh, very early in his life, he realized or he started having the effects of, of this acrophobia that was over overcoming his ability to fly and uh, be involved with the other other uh, ospreys who are at the time that they're able to fly there they soar and they dive and they they uh, they're fishermen in effect they call the fish hawks um and that's what they eat on so uh, so the issue is that it looks like that oscar may be may be limited in what he can achieve in his life or may not survive very long now the the real key point is that uh every year the ospreys will migrate south and since he's unable to fly high he can't fly over the mountains and so as a result he's left behind uh to fend for himself in a very hostile environment and and while he's trying to learn what's going on in this environment he ends up talking to a a number of the animals in the in the forest because he can't he's really sort of ostracized by the by the other ospreys because of his his uh, problem 
it really is a moral story. Another basic element of, of a good children's book is one that tells a story, in my opinion, and, and gives a moral. And in this one, the moral is dealing with handicaps and overcoming them and uh, and going forward. And that's something the story is about is how how Oscar deals with his handicap and and uh, uh, achieves you know, success in effect. And so it's really more about the story of of which happens to everybody in life. I mean, how often are people uh, dealing with a handicap or an anomaly or something unusual that makes them feel uh, out of uh, out of connection with their peers and and being able to achieve some kind of uh, a success going through life as opposed to just giving up. And so this is a big, it's a real, it's a moral story. And but it was, I'm hoping it was told so that it gives people information about the animals, about the the birds, and how they migrate. And and there's more than one level of the book. There's some puns in there, uh, a bird in the hand, those kinds of things. You know that you would hope people would sort of pick up as they read the book. I think the book is charming, and the illustrations I think are just delightful. Tell me about the illustrator because you went and tell me the story about how you got her to be your illustrator. Well, now that's a that's a very interesting story because the way I've been told that authors are of children's books authors is that that the publishers want to pick the illustrators. You know, you we, you write it, you get in, and they pick the illustrators. Well, I didn't didn't like that idea. I wanted something that had some kind of control over it. Um, because what what you have is birds that are going to be like humans, so it can't be just a caricature. And I was referred to her name is Jean Ross, so she is a an, an illustrator that lives in 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 my hometown uh, now, San Antonio. Her father-in-law was was a CPA, and so through him I was able to kind of get a recommendation. And I went to her and I sat down and I said, I'm told her what I'm trying to do, and would she be interested in? in uh in uh, doing the illustrations and she's just she's great watercolorist mm. i love watercolors and so i asked her to do a watercolor this is before i you know i'd gotten really very far along in the story that that would sort of be a kind of a, a starting point for that and the illustration is a watercolor that is the is the front cover of the book the rest of the book is in pencil drawings so it's a little bit of a retro children's book, and she does such a great job with her sketches. And uh, she ends up doing uh, uh, the, obviously the the ospreys in the in the picture book, but she also does uh, there's bears, there's timber wolves, there's a a moment in the book where uh, uh, Oscar, after he's left behind in the cold, frigid conditions of the north, and the timber wolves come out and they uh, they have uh, come after him. Uh, in connection with so there's there's some moments where he's actually in danger uh, of the story and and it triggers really the the experience that allows him to overcome his his uh, problem. That's the when I wrote the book originally I didn't know how it was going to end. I just knew kind of where I wanted to go and I started writing it and in the end the book wrote this wrote the ending for me uh, and and that was kind of interesting how that how that happened. But it, it's it's a kind of a simple little matter and it, it's not a you know miracle involved it's just a, a a common human way to deal with the with the problem you know that's authors tell me things like that all the time there's nothing wrong with you ed you don't have any weird thing going on with your brain <laughs> authors tell me that all the time and i think that 
that's part of the real creative process. They will say things like, the character, I wanted the character to do X, and the character wouldn't do it. My, my character said this, this, and this, because let's face it, you during that creative process, you really become very, very, very involved with the characters. And Oscar told you how he wanted his book to end. Well, now that's an interesting perspective. Uh, I, I, can, I can see what you mean by that, because the, after a while you develop the character and, and you kind of know what he can and can't do, and some things seem reasonable and some things wouldn't. That's what I, when I finished it. I had to try it out on people to see if it was an acceptable solution to his problem because to me it seemed that way, but unless other people felt the same way, then I, I wasn't convinced to go forward with, with the project. But, you know, it's, it's, it was real simple and, and, and at the end and he, he survives, but, uh, I'm hoping that that's not the end of Oscar, that there may be some more stories that will follow. Oh, I hope so. And Oscar's two siblings. You have Sister Oprah and his brother Otto. Yes. Might they have their own books? Well, it won't be there. It'll still be Oscar books, but it'll be Oscar dealing with problems with his siblings. Oh, uh, that's There's a story wonderful. about Otto that, that in, in the end, Oscar becomes, you know, uh, a hero and. But but it's 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 peculiar how he is, and he has a dilemma that he has to deal with because of that, and and Otto sort of forces that issue. So the second one story will be about another moral dilemma that he'll deal with, and then and then I'm hoping this third story will be a dilemma with his sister. So that's the that's the hope. Who knows where these things will lead? But um, I've got got some things in my head. Excellent. Well, I love this. I, I think I would recommend this to any of our listeners who have children. And I'm assuming, and I guess an interviewer should never assume, but it seems to me that your audience would obviously be parents who have young children. What's the age group that you're really looking at for Oscar? Well, that's that's a, a an interesting story. What what I'm interested in, I guess, the direct one would be to those people who are, are children who are, are, you know, probably in the third and fourth grade, because they can read the story and understand a lot of the implications of it. Um, but the uh, it's also directed to people to children who can't read, just simply because of the the special effects in the story and the pictures and the and the storyline. I, I have tested it out on various levels. Um, I'm hoping it'll work on, on more than one level and not necessarily be a Dr. Seuss level book, but at least try to follow the concept that, that I read in his, his books. And the other problem I've, a lot of the children's books I've read over the years is that they, they tend to talk down to children, mm-hmm. you know, you know, treat them as, as infants and whatever. And really, I think a children's book needs to stretch kids, you know, be a, a be, be more than just simply intended to be directed at, at a very low level. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what I, I've sort of achieved with, with Oscar the Osprey. Well, again, I think that you are emulating your hero, Dr. Seuss, because he does that. I used to be an English teacher. And one of the uh, things that I would do is with my kids, um, and I was teaching high school, so I was not teaching junior high or elementary school. With my high school students, I would use some of the Dr. Seuss videos <laughs> or films. And then I'd say, okay, on the surface... 
What did you see here? And then what do you see below this? And I think that looking at that and seeing that secondary level and analyzing it, I think that deepens the book and I think it it spreads the appeal because who does not like Dr. Seuss? I mean, even any adult. Yes. Well, my other great uh, uh, interest in life would have been to be be a cartoonist. If I could have done that, but I can't draw, it would be something like, you know, and, and do a Peanuts kind of cartoon because Peanuts is so simple in its drawing, but yet so deep. Uh, you know, Calvin and Hobbes, the same way, you know, just yes. fascinating deep uh, deepness to the to the humor. And uh, those those are the kinds of things that have always just fascinated me. But in the meantime, I've become an accountant, you know, <laughs> Don't say it like that, Ed. You may be the next Dr. Seuss. Who knows? Oh, Who yeah. knows? Now, <laughs> I hope that one of the things you and I have done is pique the interest of the people who may be listening to our show today. I went to Amazon, and all they have to do is just go to www.amazon.com and then go to the book search feature and type in Oscar the Osprey. They don't even have to put in the bird who was afraid of heights. But no, if, they, they, if wanted, they put the book, that that'll help it too. The Oscar the Osprey, the book. Now it'll show up in other places too, Barnes and Noble and Amazon. So there, there are more than one sources, and you can download it or you can order the book. So I'm thrilled. And and what I would ask for people to do is please give after they've read it to give a uh, review. Oh, good. And there's an excerpt. If if they don't want to buy the proverbial pig in a poke, they don't exactly know what it's about. They can have a uh, they can read a little bit about Oscar right there on Amazon because here comes the cover of the book and it says there's a little thing up in the upper right hand corner that says click here to read more. Click there and it'll open it up and there's a nice excerpt. And I know that you have a a website that's. Planning. You don't have one. Uh, yes, quite yet. them early in this process, but uh, there is one under construction, and there will be one alive hopefully before too long. All right, Ed. One last question: When the parent or when the child finishes reading the book and they close that cover for the very last time, what's the takeaway? What do you want them to leave with? Do you want them to simply be entertained? And I suspect not. I suspect that you have a message that you would like for them to take with them. Well, the the message, I think, in the, in the broadest sense is that we're all unique and we all kind of stick out and, and don't necessarily fit the mold. But uh, by using our own strengths and our capabilities, we can still achieve a great deal. And and the idea is to to look at Oscar and be sympathetic to him and see that he he overcame a, a major obstacle and ha- has uh, become a very significant individual in his community. So that's I don't know if that that's too too deep or too strong a, an objective, but that's that's sort of what I had in mind is. Is to uh, is to encourage people to 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 meet, know themselves, know their strengths, and take advantage of them. Ed, it's been an absolute delight to talk with you, and I hope that there are two other books so that you and I get to have another conversation. Thank you so much for being with me today. 
Well, you're very welcome, and, and you were a delightful interviewer. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. Tom Willison is an author and an artist. He's written two previous novels, The Hunt and Slipstream. Tom is joining me today to talk about his book, Nine Short Stories. Tom, welcome. Well, it's nice to be with you. Well, you know, you're such a renaissance man, a man of all talents. As I was reading through your bio and I saw that you were both an author and an artist, I was really curious. Tell me a little bit about your art before we talk about your book. Well, basically, uh, I consider myself a self-taught artist. I, I, when I, uh, well, I promised that I wouldn't get negative, but I mean, I, I, I wrote on the inside of my mother's stomach before I was born, <laughs> and, I, and I, I was uh, born with a paintbrush in my hand. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah, so I was uh, an artist way back when. And uh, and I, I majored in art at the University of Tennessee for one year, but the instructor, the, the dean of the art department, didn't think I was a good artist, and I didn't think he was a good instructor. So we, we parted ways, and I wound up with a business degree. Well, you used your art in all of the different books, in all three of the books that you've written. And there's a beautiful illustration. When I went to Amazon to look at your book and to read the excerpt, I was struck by the cover art. There's a beautiful woman that you've done for the cover. Tell me the story behind the cover art. Well, inside the book, there's a story of the withered rose. And... uh, of course, this is back before I was married and all that stuff, so I don't have to worry too much about what my wife thinks. But I used to date a gal, and uh, her name was um, with Joan, is what I knew her as. And uh, basically, uh, we met at Carnegie Tech in Pittsburgh. Uh, she, we were both trying to get into Carnegie Tech in the art department, but she... She made it, and I didn't. But anyway, we did it for a while. And uh, I uh, I didn't particularly, uh, I didn't fall for is what I'm saying. But in any case, I think she fell for me, and it was kind of a, kind of a tragic thing. And so this cover uh, depicts uh, pretty much what she looked like. She was a, uh, she came from Russian parents. So she she had that long nose ballerina look. Mm-hmm. About her. She's beautiful. Well, she, she was she was good looking, but uh, I you know I I date them all. What the heck? <laughs> I love it. Well, <laughs> the cover it struck me because I looked at the cover and I thought, oh, there's got to be a story behind this this photograph of this beautiful woman is it a painting or is it a pastel or it's it's a uh, watercolor i've been doing a lot of watercolor lately so uh yeah this is a watercolor well i think the guy at the university of tennessee was wrong i think you've got talent so let's talk about your books now now, this i would like this 
short story book because it's it's very unique. The thing that I think you did in the introduction that I read was that you sort of tell the story behind the story. And yeah. each each one of these stories has something about it that's from real life, from your life. And the one that, that they chose to put as the excerpt is called The Corner. Yeah. And let's talk about that. Give me an overview of that book and let's talk about it, or that story, and let's talk about it a little bit. Okay. Um, actually, uh, there is an Arby's on the corner of 71st Street and Georgetown. And uh, a couple of times when I was driving home uh, past that uh, corner, I saw this uh, guy shadow boxing right up on the shoulder of the road. He was a uh, well-built, looked like uh, another Joe Lewis, and he was sparring. And I thought, my heavens. The guy is going to get killed, or he's going to cause an accident. But in any case, I thought to myself, what a story that would make if you think about it. And so that that was really the start of the book. I mean, literally the start of the book. I uh, and then then I went from there to the rest of them. But yeah, I did see a, a guy shadow boxing on the corner. Now, I don't know what happened to him. I made up the rest of it. This is where the character Mike Shannon originated. And I thought it was a very interesting detail that in the story, the narrator of the story is a sports writer. Right. For the local Indianapolis paper. Right. And come to find out, Mike Shannon is a boxer. But he's escaped from this Oakview Sanitarium. And I think when when you read those words on your page, all of a sudden your mind just takes this leap. And you think, wait a minute, what's going on? What do you mean he escaped from a sanitarium? What happened? What's his story? I think that was a genius way to introduce the story. And I have to say, I'm reading the excerpt, and the excerpt just stops. And, And I thought... What? I don't get to find out what happens. The excerpt just stops, so you had me right there. Yeah. Well, good. Good. That's, a, that's the purpose of it all, I guess. I, I think you're right. And you got my attention with that very first story. And I'm curious about a couple of the other stories. Okay. The Return of Sparrow Man. Oh, that's a good one. This sounds like a graphic novel because you said that this was sort of, it came from two, quote, homemade Sparrow comic books featuring the protector of the weak and feeble, Sparrow Man. Tell me about Sparrow Man. I'm very curious. Well, uh, actually... I think in that in that story I referred to Leo across the street. I think maybe I didn't call him Leo. I think they called him something else. But anyway, this guy was across the street, and he and I uh, palled around together, especially during the summertime. And uh, uh, we, looking for things to do, we decided, and we collected comic books. So we thought, well, let's make our own comic book. So we did, and uh, he wasn't a very good artist, 
And so what, what he would do is copy it from a regular comic book. He'd copy the, he'd trace the figures and everything. But anyway, we 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 published two of them. And my mother did really make uh, the Sparrow Man costume for me. Wow! Which, which was supposed to keep me out of trouble on <laughs> Halloween, but. Uh, Leo uh, didn't see it that way, and we both wound up in the woods at the top of the street, hiding from people after us. So uh, we we did that a couple of years, and so that, and that's a story there. The rest of it is pretty well made up. How old were you? Oh, I guess we were. I was about twelve or thirteen years old, maybe maybe a little younger. It was during the World War or World War Two. Well, in the book, in in the nine short stories, it talks about the Chuck Moreland gang. Oh yeah, there was yeah. really a Chuck Moreland gang. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, it was about six uh, kids in the gang. And Chuck Moreland uh, was a semi-cripple. He had a, an arm that he couldn't maneuver. And uh, he, he was a little paranoid. He was a little wild. And uh, they used to uh, get me after school and, and beat me up. Oh, no! And, and uh, until one day, I, I finally broke away from them, and I was running up the steps to our house, and my mother wouldn't let me in, and she said, you're going to have to learn to take care of yourself. She shouted that through the window. And I, the, the steps were quite steep and long, and there were two garbage cans on the top of the porch there, and I rolled the garbage cans down the steps to these guys that were trying to come up. And that, But after that, uh, I started finding these guys by themselves, one by one, and that stopped the whole thing. They picked on somebody else from that point on. So, but there was a Chuck Marlin gang. Now that those events inspired the return of Sparrow Man in the book, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. What happens in the book? What does Sparrow Man do in the book? Uh, well, he uh, he gets beat up by this Marlin gang, like I did, just like you did, exactly. Yeah. And and uh, he goes to he goes to a church function, and the minister of the church uh, sees how beaten up the kid looked. I mean, black eye and so forth. And he pulled him aside and he said, uh, "You've got to learn to to defend yourself." And and he then he quotes the uh, the biblical story of the sparrow that uh, the Lord. Um, uh, is even concerned about the fallen sparrow. So he says, you're small, and you be a sparrow, and he says, you be a sparrow man. And that that's, and then he, okay, so he starts working out and building up the muscles, and and uh, that's, uh, that's when he became a sparrow man. And the girl that he dated... Uh, it's, it's actually the girl I dated when I was young. She was, I guess you'd call her, my uh, childhood sweetheart. And she was pretty tough. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, she, she played uh, tackle football with the, with the guys. 
and I never have never been hit as hard as I was hit when, <laughs> when she uh, she tackled me, and I she knocked me out of the game actually. Amazing. Yeah, uh, and uh, then she wound up going to the University of Alabama and played in the Alabama band. But anyway, uh, that part of the story was pretty accurate. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I've asked you about. The return of Sparrow Man. When I yeah. read about that, and I thought, "Oh, this is this is superhero graphic novel stuff." So I was yeah. really curious about that. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I, I really do. Uh, actually, there were two. The one, the hole, is about this young fellow that sees this uh, hole in the shrub in the backyard, and he gets curious about it and goes through the hole and winds up. Uh, uh, getting involved with uh, a, a troop of Confederate soldiers retreating from Gettysburg. And, and uh, this guy that he links up with, and I, I try very hard to get the Southern dialect, and having been educated in the South, it wasn't too hard to do. But anyway, I had fun with that. Now, the other one was the uh, uh, another town where I borrowed the Thornton Wilder Our Town concept. Right. Except, and and uh, I, it was during the Second World War, and this business of the three blue stars on the window, and of course the stars meant that the family had uh, people in the service during the war, and if somebody lost their lives, the blue star turned to gold. And this actually actually happened. I was delivering magazines to this woman, and uh, I first noticed the three blue stars, and then very shortly afterward, I delivered the magazines, and there was one gold star. And it, you could see the difference when the woman uh, answered the door. She was still friendly, but you could tell that it was wearing on her. And then, uh, shortly after that, I came with a magazine, with a weekly magazine, and there was another gold star. And I didn't even bother to ring the doorbell. I just put the the, the uh, magazines in the doorway and and left. So that to that extent, that was uh, that was true. And of course, I took these two people and brought them back to life as as ghosts, you might say. And uh, and I pretty much followed the uh, our town concept, where the where the narrator takes you from one place to another and introduces you to one family and another. And I I the one scene where the sailor, where uh, one of the the uh, uh, gentlemen that owned a, a restaurant, his son was. Uh, Killed in a, in a well, he was a, in the navy, and the na the boat got ship got torpedoed, and he went down with the ship. Anyway, he came back as a ghost, as a spirit, and he walks into his dad's restaurant, and of course his dad can't see him, and he starts talking, and to, to his dad, and he said, "I just came back." to say goodbye and to tell you how much I love you, and I'm beginning to tear up right now. Me too. I, I, did, I did cry a little bit when I got to that part. It really hit me. And so I, to that extent, if 
I would say probably that's the only real sad story, except for the the young kid that uh, went berserk on and playing chess. But uh, so these all the all the nine stories had my had my experiences involved. And actually, it's the reason why I wrote the, the book, because the other two I wrote were straight novels, and it didn't say anything about what I went through. And I thought, hey, I, I, have I led a pretty colorful life, so uh, I'll write about it. Well, I really like your style, Tom. I like, I mean, you just sucked me right in. You're an excellent storyteller, and I really like the way that you write. And I love the idea that all nine of these stories are really based in truth and in fact. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, now the book is available on Amazon, and if our listeners want to read an excerpt, they can just go to Amazon.com and do the book search, and they can just put in the title, which is simple, it's Nine Short Stories by Thomas Willison, and I'm going to spell your last name, W-I-L-L-I-S. S-O-N. And if they click on that, the book will come up. They can see that lovely cover art, and they just click on the corner, and it'll open up, and they can read the first story, but you don't get to hear the end. You get to read the corner, and you don't yeah. know what happens, but it'll, yeah, ma- it'll, right. ma- it'll make you want to buy the book. So right. if, they, if they don't buy it on Amazon, or if they want to go somewhere else, are there some other spots, some other places that they can get hold of the book? Well, uh, of course, they can go to the author house, and uh, I, uh, I have a uh, what they call a tab. And if you go to uh, authorhouse what dot com, I'm sitting in a chair here, and I have to get up to go over to the shelf here to to get one of these little doohickeys. It's they're they're called tabs, and I'm, the card has a picture of the cover on it, and I, yeah, yeah. okay, uh, it says, uh, you go to www.authorhouse.com slash bookstub. Okay. And, uh, they, they, uh, and there's a number here that you have to enter in order to get my book, and it's a long thing you want me to give it or can they just go and put in the name of the book and your name and will it come up uh well i've never tried it uh, you can try it but but I, anyway i have a web i i will have a web shortly uh that they can uh, get into uh you're under construction right now i think right 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 but if they want to find you on facebook you can be found on facebook uh i will be I, uh, I'll say that next week, the week after next, they'll be on Facebook. Good. You know, I'll have the books listed and everything. Excellent. One last question, Tom. When our readers either get an electronic copy of the book or they buy a, a hardbound copy of the book and they read the last page and they close it for the very last time, 
Do you want them to take something away from the book? Did you just write it to entertain them? What do you want uh, them to leave I, with? Yeah, it, it depends on which of the stories you you want to talk about. I I, uh, I, I sort of had a, uh, on this the one I talked about the uh, uh, the other town. Uh, I had. Uh, a feeling, uh, I try to relay this, the feeling that I had when I was a young kid uh, and the World War II was going on and I, I, and I, wanna, I wanted to kind of uh, give that uh, feeling uh, to the reader because I remember I was 11 years old when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and at 11, at the age of 11, I knew something big had happened. I never heard of Pearl Harbor or anything of the kind, but I remember that evening crying because the impact of it all uh, just just hit me. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to to get across. And uh, the other, the last one, uh, Silent, uh, Silent Night, Holy Night, was basically a play that I had written. And uh, I converted it to a short story. So, uh, you know, they, these are other, uh, I, I guess it's kind of an anti-war thing, and uh, it's about it. Well, Tom, you are delightful. Our time is up, and I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I hope we can talk again. Thanks for taking time to be with me today. Well, you're quite welcome, Cheryl. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read.